go. <coughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that was a sexy voice. <laughs> okay, welcome to Moot, the podcast where mistakes are guaranteed and our point is moot. My name is Joe and I'm with Jeremy, my co-host. Hello. And today we have a guest, Tron. Hello, 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 hello. That's me. My name is Tron. I'm a politician from the Green Party in Bergen, and I'm pro-weed, and I'm totally unresponsible for everything I say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just made that up. Was that, was that okay for you? Yeah. That was okay. That was okay. He lied about everything there. He is none of those things, and he is not in favor of weed. I have seen him hit a hippie right in the nose. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, he was doing it while smoking a cigar that he lit with a dollar bill, and we don't even have dollars over here. No, that's how naughty I am. He's a dirty boy. Okay, but so I was thinking we could like discuss weed and stuff today because you, Tron, yeah. you have basically like a podcast about the subject. I right? have. So I felt like you've you've maybe heard more than most about the stuff. Well, I, I have a podcast called Joint Pod. It's part in Norwegian and part in English. And uh, I've been talking with people like Neil Woods, if you heard about him, uh, one of the co-founders of the organization Leap, or Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. It was based in the United States by a man called Neil Franklin. Uh, uh, him and a lot of other guests. So we are in the beginning of a pro-momentary movement in Norway, but when it comes to weed, Norwegians are extremely conservative. And then I mean conservative. They think like one joint is going to kill you, put you on. Yeah. Like yeah. Pe- there's people who are like, no, 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 no. Don't inject marijuana, you know? Don't <laughs> inject marijuana. <laughs> Don't, yeah, right? One, <laughs> I've heard that one syringe of marijuana can kill you. Yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> It's, the myths are so it's incredible. Like my brother-in-law, like everybody I know who used to weed are dead today. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. Everyone I knew who is dead today drank coffee. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because you're an old fuck. Uh, but you can always uh, get the argument you want. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, I thought this would be a really interesting topic for us to talk about because Normally, when we discuss cultural differences between the U.S. and Norway, Norway always comes out very liberal. Uh, and so I thought this subject, it's very, very like uh, upsy-tupsy. You know, we're, 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 we're the conservatives this time. And I thought that could be fun for some people to hear about. Yeah, but it is because I lost, mm. a jo- I lost my program in a radio station just because I said weed should be legalized. And that's wow. how you cannot even legalize the debate about things. That's it's crazy, right? And that's that is nuts. Crazy. <laughs> that and is I can nuts. say, I can basically say, I want to throw out every foreigner in this country. <laughs> Islam is oh, the yeah. enemy. Okay, legalize weed. Oh, go to prison, my friend. It's like fucking sick. <laughs> it, it, that is that is interesting. And you know, I am interested in hearing about this because it's true. I always feel like, you know. I'm very proud of my country, but we are regressive in a lot of ways and a lot of countries have moved past us. And it, I thought it was really interesting that your country still has such like an aversion to an aversion to it because we right now we have 17 states in America that where it's uh, recreational weed is legal. 
And there's a whole bunch of other states where uh, medical marijuana has been approved. Um, and our country has gone through this shift basically in my lifetime. Like when I was a kid, I went through the, DARE, the America's DARE program. Are you guys familiar with DARE? You mean oh. Nazi ring? Like this is your brain on drugs? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, so, oh, just oh, yes. Just say no. Well, so those thing? were the PSA. Those were actually PSAs. Those were a little different than Dare. So the PSAs were like they would do this thing where some. Yeah, so they'd have the brains like this is your brain on drugs. This is your brain not. And then they'd have. Oh, I know ones. that. Yeah, they'd have. Then they'd have other ones where like. <laughs> you know, some kid would be like smoking weed and then they'd like cut to a shot and he'd be like stabbing someone or dead or like just like some <laughs> real insane thing to be like, don't know, like the w- words giant capital and like red letters would come up not even once, you know, and that kind of stuff. But D.A.R.E. was this program that was really famous in the 90s, at least when I was growing up. Um, police officers would come to the school. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And it was similar. It was like a youth scared straight program where they'd come and be like you guys will all die if you try drugs marijuana is a gateway drug and they really hit the gateway drug thing pretty hard um and you got like a gateway drug to get the pizza hut really (laughs) it's a gateway to drug to obesity (laughs) maybe but (laughs) because i eat fucking candy and it was like shit is there still much pizza in the fridge oh sorry 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 i interrupted you sorry sorry Oh no, that's fine. That's that's what we do to each other all the time on this. On yeah, this I like to do multiple. No, so we uh, over the course of my life, weed has morphed into this thing that more and more people stopped caring about. And what happened, I think, um, well, no, what happened was essentially a generation of brainwashing gave way from like the Nixon era. Yeah, you know, they went, they really went after drugs hard. You know, it was just to systemically oppress, you know, like minorities and stuff. That was his stated goal for for his program, for his drug programs. Um, and it took a long time to kind of flush that out of people's consciousness. Like, I know people today who have no problem with like sitting in a lawn chair and throwing back eight beers in front of their kids, but they mm-hmm. still think that like they won't smoke a joint in front of their kids. I'm not saying you should do either in front of your kids. Both of them are. Yeah. You classically I think I think kids classic. I think kids are too soft and they need to learn the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> the hard way is to see, you know, daddy beat up mommy on the porch. It's but but, but, but drug politics come to about what kind of cultures we don't like. And we had like a, a reggae place here in Bergen, like, oh, those Rastafaris, you're just smoking weed and shit like that. Oh mm-hmm. okay, okay. Do you dislike the drug or you dislike reggae Rastafari people? So you want to ban the drug because you don't like some culture way of doing things and music. I don't even, I don't even that's think the, that's the fucking fact. That's why they're banning it. We, they started banning cannabis because of black people. It's a fucking racist bullshit. Uh, it's suppression laws again. When black people want to and we want to vote, they started suppressing cannabis. Why? Because yeah, you know why. That that was that was definitely a thing here. Like Nixon had, I bet you could find it pretty pretty quick. Yeah, you can find it. Uh, it started early, started in the twenties and thirties too. So this is no, it's it's been it's been going on forever. I mean, the prohibition movement in America was connected with like the the way that they sold it was like 
all nice people and middle-class people will turn to debauchery and be like the homeless and blacks and Italians. And, you know, they went after like every immigrant minority in America and yeah. said, these are the people that can't take care of their lives that are like addicted to drugs and alcohol. Beware the foreign threat. Yeah. But he, he, basically, um, Nixon targeted specifically blacks and hippies and <clears throat> policing was modified to go to use marijuana laws to go after blacks and hippies and you know so it's true it, it is used as a form of oppression because obviously like alcohol is more dangerous than marijuana and most people know this by now you know um and prohibition didn't work so it just morphed into other things prohibition never works people also probably People like to use drugs, drink, and fuck. That's the three basically thing. And and even AIDS, AIDS epidemic wants stop people from fucking. How in the fuck do you think prohibition laws gonna stop people from using drugs and alcohol? It's not. <laughs> it's never it's never worked. And police it's it's so frustrating because I've been a social worker myself. And I, I see police get more obsessed by taking people with we have drug problems than helping people getting raped and beaten up. That is the fucking problem. So, Trond, you were you were you said you were a social worker. That is really interesting. I used to. Uh, well, twenty years ago, uh, I was running a, a cafe in Oslo for street prostitutes. Okay. And when you do that, you hear a lot of things. You have to follow people. I was following those to the police and and the ER and so on and. And they was the bottom society because nobody gives a shit about them. They don't, nobody used them as a bait in front of elections and so on. And that was people who was suffering from those drugs laws. So do you, do you think, so do you have any examples of, you know, of the Norwegian government, whether it's local or national, of, of implementing laws specifically to oppress? Like, do you have any, uh, you know, things that you've seen in your lifetime or legislation that you know is motivated by <clears throat> police can make some stats statues uh, in local locals uh, on local level we cannot make laws on local levels in that area but one of the statues they had in here in bergen was like they should keep an eye on the people who are argumenting for legalizing drugs Oh, oh, so, so you get in their spotlight if you're argumenting for what the fuck is that all about? Yeah, yeah that's pretty sick right there. That's, that, some... that's very sick. I'm not using drugs. I never drink alcohol because I'm just tired. And bored. because when you work as a security guard, you see so many drunk people that alcohol is not very funny to use anymore. <laughs> <really>. <laughs> no, you're just tired of it, really. Um, <laughs> I, on the other hand, do use drugs because I'm unemployed and bored. Uh, <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> I'm on drugs right now. <laughs> You're on drugs right now. Okay, that's yeah, that's yeah, I felt like at least at least thirty three percent of the attendees to this episode about marijuana should be representing the stoner crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I am proud for you of you for stepping up. <laughs> what? We can just const- we can just put a label on things. This is culture. This is bad culture. It's good culture. Like drinking is good culture because you you can sit there like if I sit to drink two 
wine is some sophisticated stuff. You can sit and drink and so on and so on. Yeah, but you're so sophisticated. Why do you have to drink two bottles of wine? You right. do it because you like the feeling you get when you're drinking a lot of wine. Be yes. fucking honest. Like, the people are smoking cannabis, they don't want to get high. Yeah, most people yes. who want to drink alcohol want to be, feel a feeling of alcohol. I argument with my, my sister. Why, right? if, if alcohol is believe... only about, about the feeling, why don't you fuck, if you can get the same whiskey without alcohol, would you drink it? No, that was not the same. Yes, it is. If you're drinking alcohol, if you have a choice between drinking Jameson whiskey with or without alcohol, and you drink that more than alcohol, it's because you like the fucking alcohol. You <laughs> like the feeling it does to you. It's so fucking simple. There's yeah. a reason why you buy the, not, you never buy the virgin version of the drink. Yeah. That's why you drink shots in the bar because you know it's going to give you a good feeling. <laughs> Yeah. But see, that's why I think okay when it comes I, to alcohol, not okay I, when it comes I, to cannabis. I, 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 I think we understand. should bring back something. I think we should bring back something of old that seemed to have been lost. You know, like in like those old kind of like country club kind of situations that they used to have in more public spaces, also like where they could smoke inside, and they would sit in like nice furniture and just smoke. Mm. I think they should bring back smoking houses. Because then you could sit down, you could chill, and you could light up a joint, right? And it would be like if you had like proper furniture and you looked nice clothes, you know, it would become like wine. People yeah. wouldn't feel people wouldn't feel like it's oh you got to be a skid row thing from under the fucking bridge to smoke weed. It was a marketing campaign that made coffee really popular in America. <laughs> I yeah. thought about that because in uh, people are drinking coffee too to get that feeling. I drink coffee to wake up in the morning. If I not get coffee in, I get grumpy. Have, have you guys, uh, have you guys uh, seen? Uh, have you guys seen that show, Snowpiercer? I have seen no. a couple of episodes. Yes. I have, I have okay. Seen have you seen? Uh, okay. So, have you seen the part where Sean Bean comes in? Is in like season two? No. Well, Sean Bean is terrific, and in, oh, in that in that show, right? He's basically this kind of like he's Wilfred, you know, the super rich guy, right? He's uh, the eccentric billionaire. He's basically Willy Wonka in a dark fucking universe. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and what's interesting is that the wag, the train he was on that connects to the proper train. Sorry for the spoilers. You shouldn't have come to the podcast. Well, thank you uh, for that one. I have tripped on left and you fucking spoiled the fucking shit for me. Thank you so much, man. Oh, hey, I was talking to Tron and you can do that when you're playing on it. stage, but not fucking when a TV show I'm going to see. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> uh, no, okay, so, uh, I will not have so you open presents. <laughs> like, hey, did you like that shit? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, he's a really rich guy. He wears like fancy clothes and everything. He's basically really Wonka. And uh, his wagon, his like train thing, the way they sustain themselves basically was uh, like by growing weed and shit. But they weren't like a hippie commune because he was kind of a psycho. Right, it's just that they had base necessities, and they would that one was just for growing weed, so they grew a lot of it, and then they started selling it to the other train in exchange for food because they didn't have any. But he was just smoking weed all the time throughout that whole fucking show, right? But he looked classy as shit. He looked always classy. He was the kind of like rich billionaire in like uh, a mansion from 1920 with like scotch on the table and shit kind of style billionaire, but he was smoking weed all the time. And it was a completely different image to weed, which I thought was really interesting. 
Yeah, that, that would be nice. John, John, do you want a job on a TV show? Well, you're going to play a rick ditched bastard just smoking weed all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's a brilliant job. <laughs> that, that sounds like, yeah. Can I get some Take fucking Take that food job. I question your judgment, sir. Well, I think this sounds like a very good job. You know, John, you had mentioned that like one of the one of the obstacles is not just like politicians, but is money. And I know that that's true in our country yeah, because is. we have we have we have private prison and the, the private prison industry in America donates money to prevent legalization. Yeah. Pharmaceutical companies, because you know, weed can be used as a painkiller and, and is used to alleviate a host of other symptoms for other diseases. Um, in most states that do allow met for medical marijuana have a, have a large list of ailments that, that doctors can prescribe it for. And we also have, of course, the liquor industry, beer, beer and yeah. liquor. They fight it because they don't want the competition. Um, That's true. We have a larger, we, we have our, the corporate in, in business influence on our politics is higher but I'm wondering, like, what industries are fighting it? And, like, how open is it, do you think? I think so if you're going to go back to prohibition in Norway, it's, it's, Norwegian history is a little bit different because you got on, this is a very special, you got on, uh, prohibition in Norway started with alliance between the labor movement, part of the labor movement, and the Christian conservative on, in the villages. This was it's very strange because the alcohol problems in Norway was huge. So what happened sometimes that it, they used to get people addicted to alcohol and they, they gave out some salaries in alcohol for saving money. <laughs> so yeah, it, 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 that, that, this is a crazy story and that's true. So a lot of women organizations started to, to meet up to get a salary on behalf of their husbands so they didn't drink it away. So that's that's why it it came from somewhere. You can understand it why it came from, yeah. because alcohol problem. If you have traveling guides in Norway from the eighteen begins of nineteen hundreds, Norway was so fucking drunk. In even the Dutch people said, "Like fucking, this country is too drunk." <laughs> <laughs> but but I never. I think good regulations is what is the key. Yeah, and I think it's important. good regulation on alcohol too is the key. You should not have this free everywhere and so on, but have have a regulation system. And I think the system we have in Norway works very fine. And uh, we can also use that on cannabis, on, on other kinds of drugs, I also think. Yeah, I think it would be way more like uh, just reasonable to see like a weed shelf at the, the, the wine monopoly is what we call the governmental building where we have to buy yeah. our liquors. <laughs> the wine monopoly. I mean, it sounds like a 1984 nightmare, but it's actually quite a nice store. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, can you buy liquor at like a grocery store or does it have to be just no. those sanctioned? That's, uh, that's yeah. extremely illegal. Everything stronger than 4.5%, you have to, to buy in the Monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. Four you, can, you, can buy, you can buy beer 4. 5, yeah. and drinks akin to beer at the store, but only until six o'clock. And uh, and I only six o'clock so in the weekends, Saturday, eight o'clock in the in in the yeah eight o'clock in the weekdays and six o'clock in the weekends. Okay, now can, yeah. what about beer that's at five percent? That has to go. You have to get the monopoly. No, yeah, that, that's that's from yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. 
Okay. <coughs> we have we have liquor license. That is haram. That is very haram. Hmm? Hello? No, I'm just saying that the beer beer over five percent is haram, and you have to get that in the wine monopoly. Oh, <laughs> okay. I didn't hear that. Haram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in my defense, I am high, and also I am stupid, which is a you know two layer defense because you know. The first half is true, but I won't give you the second half. <laughs> oh, you sweetheart. <laughs> Tron will vouch for the second half. Yeah. But... <laughs> it sounds like Tron is going to advertise for the second half. <laughs> He's been ripping you pretty hard since we started. <laughs> yeah, I'm a good I'm a... But, but also, like, it's also like Rockefeller also was against legalization of hemp products, too, because you can use them to make paper. Um, uh, plastic, everything like that. So the oil industry is also totally against this for many, many, many reasons. Huh. Yeah. And it doesn't happen to say that Norway has one of Europe's biggest oil industries. So, hmm. And that's very funny because you cannot, it's that kind of hemp is the same plant as cannabis. You cannot use it to making drugs. But they're happening something in the United States. I think the Republican Congress uh, made a new bill October last year about it. So even the Republicans are on board there, I can see, for the United States. Yes, and a lot of it is the, the, the Republicans realize how much money you can make. Because, you know, they watch Colorado, who was one yeah. of the first, if not the first. Yeah, hemp. Hemp and TH, uh, THC. But product. he also need voters among, amongst the farmers. The farm farmers and the hillside hillbillies and so on. So yeah, it does depend on the state. Certain states have outlawed it because strictly because their main exports are, you know, other competing products, especially in the South. Although the South is also pretty fundamentalist about those things, like Mississippi. So Mississippi, several states did this, but Mississippi is notable because this wound up going into the court system all the way up to the state Supreme Court. And so voters got enough signatures to put medical marijuana legalization on the ballot. And Republicans in that were in the legislature shot it down and said, nope. So it's supposed to, by law, go onto the ballot so people can vote on it if enough people raise signatures for it. Republicans shut it down, said no, so they got sued. It went to the state Supreme Court, and the state Supreme Court decided, no, 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 that was fine, and they upheld the ban. So there are several states that are just straight <laughs> up overturning, you know, citizen requests, which I don't know what you That's can do insane, that. though. That's insane. That's... <clears throat> and, but the thing is, okay. is it's kind of like how abortion got legalized in our country at the federal level. It was state by state over time until the last few holdouts just got overwhelmed by the rest of the country. And that's yeah. that's kind of, I think, is what's happening in, with this. You know, ab- the abortion movement, we, we legalized abortion probably 10, 15 years after the first state started legalizing it. Hmm. Um. Huh. And and so it, it was a, it was a series of lawyers like the most I mean there were activists all over the country, but it was a series of lawyers leading up to Roe v. Wade that were going after the most progressive states first that were most likely to to pass laws in their favor, and then eventually we got Roe v. Wade and and the Supreme Court wouldn't hear cases for years because they felt um, they they knew the conversation in the country was shifting, and oh. so they waited 
until there was enough support to make a ruling that the country was, you know, seemed to want. It, and that's that's kind of one of the, that's, that's one of the roles of the Supreme Court in our country is that they want to comment, they want to make their comment after they've seen the fallout of an argument, you know, play out for a long time. Well, it's not the same that's, things that they did on gay seems, marriages. That too. seems really smart to me, though, because then. Oh, I'm they, sorry, not abortion. I was talking about gay marriage the whole time. I'm an idiot. Well, yeah, because <laughs> oh. that was uh, because the lawyers the gay movement used in that debate was George W. Bush, a former lawyer. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, I was talking about gay marriage the whole time, not abortion. I'm <laughs> God. Oh, Roe v. Wade, though. I know. I'm. I'm an idiot. I'm. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because you were talking about Roe versus Wade, and we were talking. Okay, I know. I know. I. I got my lines crossed. It, it wasn't Roe v. Wade. I forget what the Supreme Court was that did oh. uh, gay marriage because Roe v. Wade was like in nineteen the 1970s. But obviously, yeah. it wasn't that. It was like 1972 or 1973. Um, I don't remember what the gay marriage Supreme Court case was called, but I, I was referring to gay marriage. <laughs> it was it no, was funny again because they couldn't get it legalized, so they just started they cannot discriminate. Yes, yeah, that was a, that was a suddenly they've just found out something new. But and it's funny because there weren't many progressive was on that board I, when Obama was elected. He was not on board. Biden was never on board. Hillary Clinton was never on board. Yeah. But they can always hype it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you won a big victory. Hooray for you! Yeah, <laughs> that feels so fucking real. What do you well, mean? And, and that's that's part of the thing is like, Obama was shrewd when he was running for president of the presidency the first time, and like, you're right, he never endorsed gay marriage. And no, no, he he actually said, uh, I believe uh, marriage is between a man and a woman. And yeah. I think that was a smart thing for him to say because he would never have been elected if he said, "I'm black." I'm and I'm going to get gays married. But I, I do not agree <laughs> about that. Because why crazy Republicans get elected is because they dare to move the polls on issues. Why should many, all the people who no, but don't the vote thing is, it, for Democrats, they just don't vote. No, They're but waiting for something depends, to happen. It also depends on who you're preaching to, right? If you're preaching to, to angry idiots who've never moved out, racism is really easy to preach to, stuff like that, right? Yes, that, that's exactly it. Another it's not thing as is, easy to it's not easy to preach to like educated people. It's it's a little more difficult. And aside that it's just trying to be all about like, you know, like aside is trying to be all about nuance and and compassion and you know, slow discussion and not screaming at the top of your lungs. Well, those, those hardcore they're, educated they're, they're going to have a hard time using those same tricks to appeal to their crowds. Yes, and those 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 educated people tend to be concentrated in the extremely urbanized areas. So, like yeah. California, New York, you know, uh, Illinois, Chicago, um, Texas is becoming increasingly liberal because its cities are getting bigger and it's <laughs> being filled up with you know Democrats, and so. Those, but the problem is when you concentrate them in those areas, even when other parts of the country go blue, like Nevada did this election and, and it, it shocked people. North Carolina almost did. When that happens, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida, when those, when those states go blue, they don't go blue because somebody nationally is talking about extremely sensitive cultural issues because a lot of those places 
the working class go after Democrats who seem like they're going to help, you know, jobs in the economy. And those areas still tend to be conservative, even among Democrats, because the cities aren't very big. The people that move to the cities come from the country and they get more liberal, but it usually starts out with things like healthcare and jobs and, and, and labor laws. Um, yeah, you kind of start, but, start but you can always talk about that, but, needs, right? but it's also about like people have to don't vote, but they not feel the candidate taking them seriously. There were can there were liberal, there were Democrats who was voting for Trump just because they were angry at the Democrats because they didn't do their job and didn't listen to them. Sometimes they feel reject, rejected, and it's then true. they they vote for all kind of bullshit just to show off. <laughs> it's, it's true yeah, but it's just like in brexit or like oh yeah we, we didn't really mean it we just wanted to make a point well that's a problem sometimes and and then you had the educated people that now if our candidate isn't perfect if he's not like yeah. this and this if it's not like bernie Sanders with angel wings we're not gonna vote you, have, you also have to remember, yes, authenticity in politicians is definitely an issue. And one of the reasons that Trump got so many people on his side was that, unlike the other politicians, he talked differently. Yes, he was an idiot, but it was different. Yeah, it was. And they could sense yeah. the authenticity in his absolute debauchery. The thing, yeah, it's like it's like they were saying they they would agree that yeah, he's an asshole, but at least he's an honest asshole. And then I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but you still want to be led by an asshole, though. Yes. So the authenticity thing is real. The other thing I I would encourage you to remember is uh, our problems are much more diverse and much more serious. And so to a lot of people fighting for things like healthcare, um, it it can be (laughs) when you're fighting for things like healthcare, you don't tend to care about weed. And a lot of people don't because they're, they're too, they're too busy. Like, trying to restore environmental rules that were stripped and now there's coal wash being being put into the local water system or uh you know there's a bunch of labor unions get dismantled in an effort to keep a corporation from moving out of a city so that way you know people can keep their jobs and that type of back and forth gets much more attention and so yes weed is taken like a lot of people want to pass it in our country. The reason it's not predominant on platforms is because even when people make a big push for it, it's, they get kind of reduced to that platform. And yeah, like you're a stoner, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the other stuff is ignored. You just want to have fun while I work my ass off. You little shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I want to have fun. <laughs> so I like fucking get high. Right. So what happens is even when politicians tend to go gung-ho for authenticity or really to prove that they're fighting for something, it usually tends to be more about like race, healthcare, those types of like big things. And yeah, I think weed is passing in our, in our country, not because yes, there are some, there, there are some groups and some politicians that have really been pushing it hard, but on a national consciousness level, I think it's more that people just stop giving a shit. And a lot of independents and Republicans who are really like government get out of my life sort of thing, they take that stance with it. And they're like, no, I don't want the government controlling what I do in the privacy of my own home. And it's just kind of that 
so many people stopped giving a shit that the people with a financial interest in starting dispensaries and building up this industry from the ground up, they were the, able to drive it because there was basically no resistance because everybody's arguing about more important things. And it's, it's that insane diversity and to have like a 50 different states. Like I can drive from Ohio to Pennsylvania and they're both white collar so, or uh, blue collar states, a lot of factory workers built on the steel industry. We both suffered heavily when the steel industry fell apart, you know, from between the 60s and the 90s, but they still feel very different. A person from Pennsylvania, from like Pittsburgh is different from a person in like Cleveland. And so there are, there are tons of different cells of competing interests in each state. So even if you look at just the blue electorate or just the red electorate, like a person in Mississippi votes for very different, for, for weed legislation for very different reasons than somebody in Montana does because a person from Montana is a different type of Republican. They're way more about like, you know, sort of sovereign freedom, like freedom over their own land, not paying taxes. And, mm. and in Mississippi, it's more fundamentalist because they tend to be more like Baptist, religious, evangelical. They want a bigger army, but uh, they don't want to pay taxes for it. Hmm. <laughs> well, they want to fucking do think pay the defense budget, huh? <laughs> yeah. Our defense budget is obscene. It is absolutely criminal. You know how big it is? It's it's bigger than seven more on the next on top. More than seven next on the list altogether. Oh yeah. And most yeah. of those seven countries on the second list is your fucking allies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how fucking crazy it is. Yeah, it's 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 absurd. Like the like our the, the things that we will we will cut in order to keep our defense budget going. Is is literally everything. Everything else yeah. that will help. Education has to go. You know, you know, even trying to get free community college in a couple of states was a massive, very difficult effort. And the funniest thing about it, this used to be the Republican case. Eisenhower's end speech. Have you seen that on YouTube? No, I haven't. He warns against this. He he was a general in Europe during the war. He said, like, beware of the industrial military industrial complex. Yes. That was a Republican case. That's very funny. And a lot of Republican cases, like environment. The one, the well, first one was it a, was laws, it a Republican? Yeah, no, oh, but listen. From, the first one to pass okay. laws with air pollution was Nixon. National Park, Teddy Roosevelt. Free all gases, Ronald Reagan. But now? Are, are those Republican cases or are those just like stuff that individual republicans just did like like where they what was that like a thing that the republicans were fighting for and the democrats were like no we don't want this yeah, because every the, was it just like the democrats are exactly the same they also have state to produce weapons they also do yeah, this fucking thing they are also every, part of the norway produces weapons <laughs> yeah they are everyone produces weapons <laughs> well i think You know, one of the things to keep in mind is that the Republican Party stood for different things back then, too. I mean, they were certainly more forthcoming about the realities of their platform, what it stood for. And the military was a new force. You know, I mean, like when Eisenhower left office, 
or you know I, eisenhower made his career during you know during the world wars yeah and he was in office he left office uh what 1952 or no he was in office no, 1948 uh, his vice president was richard nixon so i yeah yeah let me see no no, no. um i can't remember i'm 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 not super great at remembering <laughs> presidency 61 so, when you said uh, his vice president late 50s i heard his president and i was like what i'm sorry it, it was 1953 to 1961 <laughs> yeah um and you know what he had seen was like this military being built up to fight in the world wars but after after the uh world war ii there wasn't a de-escalation there was this we felt this need to police everybody and he saw the whole <laughs> of war in Europe, and he would never want to repeat that again. Right. That, that, that's the other part he of it. He knew things about war that around. a lot of other people who, who, who's talking about this shit don't. Right. Yeah, that's the thing, right? When, they, when Europe goes to war against itself, shit goes down, you know? And a lot of young Americans who was over there, they, they were fucking terrified. They yeah. have never seen the level of concentration camp and, and, and shit behavior in their fucking life. There was a fuck. The European institutions who came, who came after the war, like the European Council and European Union, they were like encouraged by the United States because they knew they had to prevent to get another war in Europe because they couldn't handle shit like that once more. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, it's a rough ride. So the other thing to keep in mind is I'm, I'm definitely shaking on Eisenhower's history. But the other thing to keep in mind is it was during the civil rights movement that the anti-civil rights members of the Democratic Party fled and... Yeah, from Texas. They <coughs> yeah. Yeah. And Texas so, used to be blue. Yep. <laughs> so these Dixiecrats joined the Republican Party. Yeah, that's correct. And, you know, so, so the party ideologies kind of switched. So if Eisenhower's platform looked a lot more democratic and the democratic platform looked a lot more Republican when he was in office, um, that, that's probably another thing to keep in mind too. Leonard B. Johnson was from Texas and he did some of the most social um, reforms in the United States by housing project and welfare programs and so on. That's true. That's true. And Nixon started the EPA, started the Environmental mm -hmm. Protection Agency yeah. and started trying to fight and establish pollution laws. So yeah. even though he was very much in command of a modern Republican Party, it was still by today's standards, the Republican Party was still trying to pass policy that benefited society as a whole, whereas today that's just not the case. Hmm. So, but I also think the term conservative um, in in the United States and Norway is very, very fucking different. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It is wild. Our conservatives be considered liberals in the United States, definitely, because. <laughs> That's because, like, your centrists are socialists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a health minister who's gay, who's from the Conservative Party, married. Nobody gives a shit. It's like... 
it's funny to think about like when you look at other countries and you see that stuff like that is a big deal there yeah it's kind yeah. of cool it makes you cool. realize the world is actually a lot bigger than what you probably think it was yeah i will say that that approval of gay marriage has has gone up significantly since yeah. it was, it was pr- approved legalized at the federal level like i don't need <sighs> I, growing up, I met people all the time who would say, oh, it's just wrong. It's for a man and a woman only. And they, you, know, you hear yeah. that crap all the time. But now, when I talk to a Republican, they often say, I don't care what they do. As long as yeah. you know, nobody tells me I have to marry a man, I don't give a shit. It's funny because uh, it uh, tried the to... The second you made it clear that that was not going to happen, they were all fine with it. No, but <laughs> you, we, we know that, that was the thing that they kept the them for party. so many years. They tried to... To, to check out the Tea Party people, how they were on uh, gay marriages, and some of them, ah, we don't care. <laughs> Go ahead, do what you want. And the conservative lost their votes, and like, yeah. Well, if you're if you're yeah. a political strategist, you're going to exploit whatever thing gets you the most yeah. votes. And the Republican Party, I think, realized that gay marriage became a losing platform after a while because it seemed regressive, even to Republicans, and so. Uh, and especially to Republicans in battleground states, because I, you know, Ohio is, I'm not thrilled with our electorate and how our gerrymandering is one of the worst electoral maps in the country. But I will say that people around here are, get a little huffy when they, when a Republican says they're, 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 they're skeptical of gay marriage, because they feel like, not that they care if their politicians are necessarily for or against it but they know that it's a losing position. Yeah. And so I've seen state races, like congressional, like, uh, you know, House and Senate, Ohio House and Senate members, um, where dissent in their own party forced them to change their platform to being at least stripping gay marriage off their platform and not bringing it up at all. You it's know? funny because I remember in, in the 90s, in 1996, you had a poll in Norway who was for and against gay marriages. And over 60% of the Norwegian population were against. That oh. was a, a, but so the tide has switched very, very fast, <laughs> even in Europe too. Yeah, but it's like, I don't know. I, I think we have less neighbors, so we're probably less worried about whatever they were worried about. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta imagine that it has something to do with it us being such a tiny country yeah like not physically we're a very large country physically you know we're a, we're a grower not a shower <laughs> no but uh no but seriously like yeah we have a small population and we are fine with that yeah but i also think something happened in the 80s because a lot of tv shows if like we opened the air for more cable tv and so on so a lot of tv shows and so on came to europe especially Norway, uh, where they showed gay characters and so on. And that's also changed the debate. Daytime TV, or soap oh, yeah. and so on, have Grace. made more Grace. people more, more comfortable with gay people. Yeah. It has. Yeah. That's, that's how you, you want the working class on it. Because, oh shit, they're the same as us. Messed up with fucking a lot of shitty baggage and so on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They don't bleed black. They're human. I I remember. Uh, so I went to. What's wrong? Uh, 
an event for my nonprofit and there's this older lady in the back and yeah, I was talking to her and she, she brought up about how like nothing in the country is the same. And when you hear like an elderly person say something like that, that's usually like, you got to brace yourself because some racist shit's like right behind. Yeah. Um, but she, she, she was, what she said was, um, you know, gay marriage, gay marriage has changed. And, and I used to be, you know, against that. And then I saw Modern Family and yeah. there's that gay couple and they raise a kid and they're so loving, but they fight too. And I love that they argue. And like, they're yeah. just, and she literally <laughs> said like, they're just like everybody else. And, and exactly. they, their marriage sucks too. So why shouldn't they get married? And like, I took that as like a, oh, well. I'm gonna say gay, gays deserve to have, you know, the gay community deserves to suffer through marriage too. Ha ha, screw them. But like, it was, it, she ended it by saying, you know, yes, times are changing, but I think I've changed too. And I thought that was like a really nice thing for her to, like a really insightful, like reflective thing for her to say. I don't want to say like it's a nice thing. I don't want to pass judgment on, on her statements, but um I don't think you should pass judgment on any of those. That was beautiful. Yeah, it is. It, but it and you have to give people a way to change and accept that they were not not there at at some at some point. Because too many progressives there today, it's like they are totally judging, taking the debate on a level like if you weren't there ten years ago, if you were not Bernie Sanders in the nineteen seventies, you have nothing to say in the debate. And I just please calm down. Right, right. Because they're, they're gatekeeping who's allowed in or out. And when you're voting, you want as many people in as possible. Like, that's the point. <laughs> like, there's so many progressives today who just like, hey, do you want people on your team or not? It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's, it's this fucking purity testing, you know? Yeah. I think that's inevitable like when you cult. have a party that's made up with a significant proportion of the educated population because educated people are everybody has their own snobbish you know selfish whatever projections that they make on the world but i think people who are educated like to one-up each other and prove that they're smarter and better and that's really frustrating because like i remember being in grad school or hearing about friends that went through grad school um and my program was actually pretty good everybody in my program was awesome but uh, even even just meeting kids from other MFA programs, you can see how competitive they were, and they would brag about how competitive their program was, and they were constantly trying to eat each other alive and have the best, most insightful, you know, essays and stuff. And and I don't know if it's it, it's it might be self motivating, but it, it's definitely demotivating when you get out of school and then you're using those same tactics mm. in applying it to every thought exercise you experience for the rest of your life. <laughs> You know, I don't think that's helpful yeah. going forward, even if it might be helpful to formulate a thinker. You start competing about who's politically pure enough to uh, to get to speak on issues. Because, and stuff yeah, like because I see all people like, oh, Bernie Sanders was there in the 70s. Yeah, he was. <laughs> but the kinds like Bernie Sanders are very few. Mm-hmm. And you should be glad that people are changing their mind and getting educated on the level. Yes. Well, that's how you should be happy. Thank you for, because I think a lot of those so-called liberals they don't live sometimes in the reality like we do. 
They want they want flexibility. They want this. They want that. But I'm working with like I'm I'm like a that Cortez person. Like I'm working sometimes in nightclubs and bars and throwing people out. Our reality is a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, because you're seeing stuff at the ground level. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm sometimes sleeping. Oh, you're you're lazy because you sleep on Mondays. Yeah, because I was throwing you out three o'clock in the morning on Saturday. That's why I'm fucking sleeping. It's like, and 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 sometimes the, the Democrats have forgotten those people. They've forgotten those people who work on that level. They're not more stupid. They they are educated too. But when you don't take when you don't resonate with their reality. You lose votes. Well, they're not, you lose they're not necessarily votes. educated too, but they're not stupid because of that. I'm also educated. I've also been on your, in your but well, oh. the point they don't is, have to the be point. educated. They don't have to be educated. You don't have to have a degree in anything for their views to be heard. Read and books. To Go to helped. the fucking library. Open your mind. That's what you fucking. Oh mean. no no no! See, Charlie, no, but I'm, I'm saying those people. They like even. Why don't they should never books. get an education? That's not. <laughs> you know? But the, John, the people those those work, are great uh, messages, but they don't work when you're marketing to Americans. You don't tell them to read books. You tell them to burn books and tell stories and then drink beer. And no, nah, I'm just kidding. Yeah, like real men do. Like, yes, every war is you cannot say against anything against any war because then you're pissing on our troops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that rhetoric. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that was a bit. That was the big argument during the Bush years, post 9/11. That was all you heard. Well, I, I remember. Yeah. So I think a, a thing that the, the point you're making is extremely fair that like, yes, like people need to get on the same page and start promoting these things together and accept some nuance. But I think the, the other thing to remember is g- goes back to the, you know, about my, my comments about the electorate, because the people who drive the conversation and the people who spend the most money, the, the big donors are those wealthy coastal cities and when you have somebody that's in pennsylvania and you need you know your pennsylvanian house and senators that the the democrats at the federal level to weigh into things they're going to be against a lot of the things that the coastals are for and you might have a democrat from like you know new mexico or seattle who has a totally different agenda because the, the problems in that state are so different that's actually why uh, Susan Collins had such a firm grip on Maine, because when she goes to Congress, yes, a lot of the people were upset with her about, you know, her either trying to be wishy-washy about what Trump was doing or the couple of times she voted or denounced him. She, there, there was a lot of blowback there, but they voted her for her in droves anyway, because she brings funds, federal funds back to the state mm-hmm. for like loggers and miners and, and you know the blue collar community and so that that there's that variety that's really difficult to to address because like the republican party if you think about it the republican party is the party of no the no as a message is very simple it's one word and everything you say you're for like every everything on, on that, that, that they stand for is generally just a no answer to a question should we help the impoverished? Should we increase education funding? Should we help, you know, 
address reparations for the black community and address zoning issues in, in big cities? Should we like have a, a, a welfare, like a, a welfare, a better welfare system? Should we have universal health care? The answers to all those are no. And a lot of the Republican platform is tearing down existing infrastructure because they're anti-government, blatantly anti-government. Whereas Democrats have to build things and they have to build things all the time because the Republicans keep dismantling them. And when you have so many competing interests in the country, you have a loose coalition of different groups that all have their own interests, which is why focusing on one message is so difficult, which is why gun control is basically only discussed when there's a big shooting that captures the national attention. You know, which is why healthcare was basically ignored until Obama really spent all of his political capital pushing for it. Like it, it was a big chunk of his presidency where that's basically all he worked on. And, you know, it's, it's easier to get a whole bunch of people together to say, no, you don't deserve that. Everybody's an individual and they just fight for themselves Darwin style versus, you know, you get, you get one guy and they're like, okay, we're going to push for legalization here. But then you've got some other guy who runs like some farm, you know, upstate, but they've got a big hold on like jobs in the region and, and they bring in a lot of tax money. So the local governments are behind them and they come sailing and say, no, you can't do that. I want some sort of restrictions. Otherwise I'm going to fight this. And when you have dozens of people all fighting for progress against progress because of something that trips them up individually, moving progress forward is, 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 is much more challenging than just tearing something apart. I mean, look how easily Trump destro destroyed all of our environmental laws. Like, I mean, they went after, you know, uh, de-parking parks, opening areas in the Arctic up for drilling, uh, uh, like authorizing all sorts of, of like offshore drilling and uh, like fracking. And, you know, it, it was just, it was, they reduced restrictions because all he had to do was sign an executive order saying no. Yeah. And I think that's an ideological challenge. And that's something that our country has created that I keep seeing replicated elsewhere. Well, it's, 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 I think this is the debate. If somebody starts mass shooting in Norway, you have changed the laws. Even if conservatives wanted to change the laws, mm -hmm. you have more mass shooting than any other country in the world. <laughs> yeah. They don't change a shit. Right. I think there's also a problem during the Trump era. I think we're going to have problems, going to have more problem with it, that Europe is not your little bitch anymore. And Republicans are like, you have to do this. No, we don't. Yeah. And that, that I think, started to, to some Republicans to see. That's why they try to support nationalistic movement like Le Pen in France, fragile in, in Britain and so on, because they want to destabilize Europe again. When we in Europe are united like they are now, we're going to say no to the United States and Republicans hate that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and yeah, I, I, I don't even know that the Republicans know that Europe is a thing. No, <laughs> Trump didn't know that he didn't have a, that the United States didn't have a trade <coughs> agreement with Germany. She had to try to, Merkel had to try to say to him like 40 times, like, you have a trade agreement with the European Union, not Germany. Right. We want to change the law. Yeah, but I cannot change that agreement on behalf of the European Union. 
<laughs> he still didn't understand it. So it was very, it was very embarrassing, really. Yes. Yeah, I felt that one. Uh, I felt several, but that that was a tough one. <laughs> I remember that happening. So I, I guess my my question is is do you think because I've asked Joe a similar question before? Do you think that America's struggle with marijuana legalization has affected the conversation in Norway, and yes. that it now that we are moving to the point where we're legalizing it and building massive a massive financial industry based on it, um, that that Norway might follow suit. Yes and no. Yes, you have the debate, but like a lot of people say, yeah, but America, you know how they are like they are more like this and they are like that and they are too capitalistic and so on. So that's just like, like capitalistic power trying to destroy the welfare state and so on. Okay. And the conservatives is like, uh, I don't think we talk about this. Uh, this is embarrassing. So, <laughs> and <laughs> so then you have like the centrist, like the green parties and liberals and so on. And yes, we just like, let's fucking let's go on. <laughs> yeah. So it's a little bit mixed bag this. Uh, I can use hours like, trying to explain it, but uh, yeah. No, that's a, that, I, I get that entirely because it, it does make sense that if you were going to, you know, as you had mentioned, our influences waned significantly. I think it happened two times in a major way in my lifetime. The first was when I found out that the Bush administration was lying about WMDs in Iraq. Um, yeah. And we had invaded a country just because, just because, um, partially because we were enriching military contractors and using, you know, well, whatever, I'm not going to go into that. But then the second time was obviously during the Trump era when Trump tanked all our soft power by giving everybody the finger for four years. So um, it makes sense that progressives who do want to go for legalization will look at us and say, hey, you know what? They're doing it just because it's financially beneficial. But, but also like, you Plus, know. It's a little bit like it's, it's, you know, it's a big old Uncle USA too, right? It's like, well, they're really conservative. We're not conservative. If they think it's okay, how can we behind, be behind them? I think that's on a lot of people's minds too. Okay, it's it's kind of a like a little bit like if America does it, then we definitely have to at least talk about it. Yeah, what happens also here is you got you got a new left because the the traditional labor parties who had a lot of industry people and so on, they are losing votes, and a lot of those votes used to go to some conservative parties, but now they're going to green parties more in the middle. And people who are the left in the conservatives parties also go over to those parties. You can have a councillor from Germany in uh, September from the Green Party. Yeah. And that's when that's happening, you have a revolution in Europe. Macron in, uh, in France, he didn't belong to any of the traditional parties whatsoever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was a crazy independent and he, and from what I understand, he got his power through a coalition because yeah. there was no yeah. agreement to be had on either side. I remember, I remember when he was getting elected and his election was a very interesting one. Yeah, it was because it, it's been usually between the socialist party and the conservative party and suddenly he came. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, that's what happened in Germany too. Yeah. Well, and, and, the rise of the far right is not 
just an American phenomenon either. I mean, that's happening everywhere. The problem is for the buy it is because American people on the right are supporting it in Europe. I, I mentioned like uh, Bannon had been a lot in Europe lately. Yes, supporting these movements. He, he's, we he's, are very afraid of it. Strange. Even the conservatives in Europe are afraid of it because they don't. They want people to go to the right, but not they want crazy right. <laughs> Well, they open Pandora's box. It's it's too yeah. late. They can't they can't shove it all back in. No, they can't. Uh, they they permanently shifted. I mean, the Republican Party was always anti-immigration, but going back to what is exploitable to win elections, gay marriage might be out. Haha, um, ha, pun intended. But uh, you know, immigration and minority oppression has amped up significantly and a lot of people that never voted before registered for the first time for trump because of that and over trump's years that rhetoric is is split the party and or split the country in two in a, in a very there's a there's a chasm like i can't even talk to some people because they don't trust me when i reach out to them not even to talk politics just to say hi like everybody's kind of on guard. Like I'll have people mention, "Hey, I voted for Trump. Is that okay?" Like I, I, when I reached out to like an aunt, a family member, you know, said that just to just to kind of preempt me. I had not planned on talking about politics, so it was so divisive. But the other thing that it did is it really made uh, the Republican base much more anti-immigrant. Everybody, like everybody that was voting Republican felt demonized and they were lumped in with, with the Trump's crazy supporters, but now it's made them more radicalized too, because they're, they've, they've immersed themselves in this rhetoric and they've cut off traditional means of, of, of reaching. It's like that whole thing is like, if you tell people that they are something, they become that thing. Yeah, yeah. Like of if, course. If you, tell, if you tell one of your kids that he's a little shithead every fucking day, he's going to become a little shithead. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it, it's difficult when, you know, Democrats get so angry. And I feel that anger because it is it is blatant disenfranchisement of a significant percentage of our country. Um, and so it's difficult not to be angry. It's difficult not to know. It's difficult to know that we set up concentration camps, stuffed them full of, 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 of people where random kids were changing the diapers of random babies because those babies were ripped from their parents arms and like our country's doing that so it's really difficult not to get emotional when politics are involved and it's kind of like this podcast where like if you start out saying hey i want to legalize weed but then you know your country's putting ripping parents or kids from their parents and putting them in concentration camps that becomes the conversation and i i think it's interesting that this podcast has done a similar thing where we've shifted totally from the original topic and gone to more pressing things because you know our country's influence even if we're diminished in terms of you know pride and influence and and our you know just how people perceive us that's all changed and gone down the shitter but that doesn't mean that we're not still influential for better or worse I don't think that America's influence has been reduced a lot because America's influence is like it is an economical one. Obviously, that one's China's took a dip into that. Yeah. Really, I think America is fucking stronger than ever at affecting us culturally. In like their influence, 
Yeah, all that's all that's changed is the perception. The perception of us has gone down. I I, I, I I fucking dare you to find a Norwegian who doesn't know at least a lot about Trump and all of that. Yeah. That's the leader of a foreign nation. I, I'll ask a lot of Norwegians what they'll think about fucking Emmanuel Macron. And a lot of them will be like, who's that guy again? Is he an actor? You know, (laughs) no one makes that mistake with Trump. No one made that mistake with Bush, but no one makes that mistake with Trump. Right. It's just on every news cycle, everything. And like our news report on what's going on in your politics. Because it's more exciting. And also Netflix. Everyone has Netflix now. Yeah. That's a million American shows. And that's like not our political influence. That's a cultural influence. Yeah. Also, a lot of people are on Twitter and other social media, you know, yeah. and like the stuff they retweet is like uh, stuff like Black Lives Matter, for instance, yeah. right? Like when George Floyd was murdered. You know, everything you've been talking about too, Harriet Tron, right? You've been talking about lots of stuff about what was going on in America back then. And you know, like we talk about Republicans and what they're doing over there and some. That's that's influence. They're they're affecting us. They're affecting the politics of us. What we're talking about. What we believe. You know, it's it's a it's a beacon of influence, for better or for worse. I think um, yeah, it's part true. But I also think the problem is the United States. It's like they still believe the story about themselves. Like we are the leading country. We people look up to us yeah you influence people but but they're like we are the freest we are on that on that on that on that on that and i when i see your movies and series how you how you portrait europeans and so on you 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 make it believe like we are come be europeans believe in that story and i don't think that's so fucking much true well, <laughs> i don't think it's true that i think especially since the Bush era, um, because patriotism was high after 9-11, but after the WMD report broke, I think today I would wager that about four in 10 or less Americans believe in our self-congratulatory nonsense because our media may portray us that way. I think our media has gotten grittier and more anti-American over time because now younger more liberal people are starting to write for shows and movies but i especially in liberal circles i don't know anyone that believes in america's exceptionalism they don't believe in you know that we are a free nation they don't believe in the american dream like the american dream is dead to easily more than half of americans now yeah does that mean that we have the voting power to instill our will over the donor class that is forcing us to behave in ways that we don't want? Does that mean that we have the ability to overturn gerrymandering maps that date back to like the, the you know mid '90s, you know, or or fight, you know, the, the the voter you know suppression laws that have happened since we started attacking the Voting Rights Act, like? Mm-hmm. These these things, yes, they're true, and yes, they they are they are portrayed in our media. Um, but like, I think you'll be increasingly hard pressed to find recent American media that is overly positive of America, and not critical in some way. And you'll definitely have a hard, much harder time finding anyone that believes in the American dream or our exceptionalism today, because most people know that we are way behind in everything. 
We are behind in healthcare. We're behind in education. We're behind in infrastructure. We're behind. We're only ahead in tech and innovation because we were bringing in immigrants to come into our universities and study. You know, like be bringing some of the best minds around the world to come to, to come study with us. And and we we really put a hamper on that during the Trump years. You so, know what? That, that Germany does the same. You know what? That Americans can live in 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 Germany and in Berlin, and they can get free education and so on and so on. If they have, if they work for some months of a year after that, did you know that? Yes. Yep. Yes, I did. And we do have some programs like that here, but they are only corporate sponsored programs, and that's the way they like it. Because anytime, uh, anytime like a state tries to do some sort of work program where they're gonna, you know, fund parts or all of your education for working so many years afterwards they get fought heavily by whatever business industries are in that country. And corporations will set up their own programs, but it's because they want to have a competitive edge and the government would be undermining that edge. The funny thing, adult programs have started in Germany on the conservative rule. (laughs) Really? Tell me about that, because I I didn't know. I didn't know. Yes, the conservatives put all those programs because they want to attract people to Germany. Yeah. That, that's the difference between conservatives in many, many countries. I think uh, conservatives also in Norway would be fond of that. Yeah. Okay. Actually, conservatives, uh, there's a funny thing with conservatives because I know a lot of immigrants and they are generally very conservative people. Yeah, they are. And I know a lot of them also tend to vote for Heira, the right party. And uh, there's a few who vote for FAP, which is kind of like our tea party. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, like I've heard some legitimate good arguments too uh, from um, Kenya, actually, you know, my ex. Uh, she was uh, from uh, Iran. And uh, she spent many years in an asylum in Norway, uh, like an immigrant asylum, which we have. And those, those, those places are really shitty places. <clears throat> They're really bad places. And the people who work there walk around with an attitude as if they're like the great white hope. Like they'll, they'll, those are the people who would be on Facebook preaching liberal but they were really obnoxious and disgusting when they were working there. Like they were like acting as if the immigrants should be super grateful for that shitty old couch they're sitting in with the spring sticking on the sides. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they didn't get out of that asylum until Heira was elected and they did some stuff. I don't remember what the stuff was, but the, the basic thing was that you can't have people sitting in an asylum for 10 years. And a lot of liberals in Norway, they are like, well, we can't send people out. And I agree with that because, you know, I'm a liberal myself. But then they also go, we can't send people out ever. So people, they take forever to evaluate whether or not they get to stay. Like it can, it can take like 10 years, man, are just stuck in that asylum. They're not allowed to work. They're not allowed to uh, get education higher than like the basis of school. Uh, and you know, they don't get to participate in society. 
And so when they then, you know, they, they came here when they were 13, you know, prime age to, you know, become, become part of the culture and everything. Instead, they are in that asylum until they're 24. Mm. And they... creating a second class of citizen then because the conservatives you know a lot of their motivations it can be like they simply don't want people to be there right they just want to get rid of them but there's waiting for an answer it is better that you get rid of you know you, you get thrown out after a year if the answer doesn't come up come there and then you can at least try again in germany or sweden or whatever right because yeah. uh, like it comes from a place of taking care like compassion like we can't throw them out again but if you're not willing to fully accept them right away like at least within a year you are stealing years from their life they're not animals you can put in a zoo and just feed and maintain they have lives too they have to grow they have to educate they have to experience society you can't just stick people in an asylum and I don't know about the conservatives' motivations because I'm not a conservative, but in Norway, when it comes to asylums, they're fucking right on the money. And I don't know a single immigrant who's been to an asylum who disagrees with that. They they are the people who give me this opinion because I thought asylums, I thought it was a good thing to at least give people a home. But it really isn't. Not over such a long period of time. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think... Uh... Tron, what do you think the, uh, I know, I know we've gotten like way off into the weeds here, but because um, <laughs> I've been really interested in hearing your take on America because it's, yeah. it's fascinating because I know I am involved in different organizations that are trying to like change stuff and I'm surrounded by like very liberal people. Um, but I also know that just because of our country and because it's impossible to at least be somewhat affected and inadvertently even by propaganda from a very liberal person by Norway standards, um, it's been interesting hearing your, your comments about America. I'm wondering, um, do you think the way everything is set up right now from your perspective, that America is but beyond redemption. Not redemption, but beyond restructuring itself. I guess, I guess beyond redemption, if you want to comment on that. Be like beyond repair? Beyond repair and maybe redemption. <laughs> if you're going to... I don't think so, but it's, it's one thing. And let's go to the left and go to the right. You have to re-evaluate how you talk about yourself. You have that that comes from the left to the right. Every time I hear talking points on CNN and CBS or NBC, you know, like every, you cannot open an argument about we are the greatest. We stand up for the troops, making military salutes, and we are the best. We are the freest, and so on. If you're not building the evaluate, uh, God, sorry, some birds I miss. Look into that story and just okay, maybe you are not the greatest. Maybe we're, maybe not everything we do is right. Maybe has something to learn. If you can start both from the left and to the right, starting think think like that, yeah, it's hope. Okay. It's hope. 
do you, do you think that is the most fundamental issue with America that we that our perspective of our place in the world is deeply flawed? I think I think like you see yourself as the leader of like everybody's just following you. It's, as a criticism against you is always hate against America, and I don't have that hate against America. I've seen you can see my bookshelves if <laughs> you have the camera on. Okay, and so on. It's about a way you see yourself. And when even poor people don't see themselves as poor people, they're <coughs> not rich yet. You, you don't yeah, dig yeah. into reality. You, you just yeah, it's like, uh, it's like what like, Mitt Romney said. I don't yeah, see like, a country of haves and have-nots as a country of yeah. haves and soon-to-haves. Yes, exactly. And that is the way of the UN. It's a, as long <coughs> as you think like that, things will be the same. If you start voting like you did during the, this last election and go out and vote and vote and vote and start changing things from from all levels of government down to like sheriff and because I know you can vote on a lot of things you can you can you can do something yeah but you just yeah, you have to you work with a partnership in the world you're not like we say jump and everyone should jump after you if you stop believing that you're going to go in for a hard landing because the pro-European movement <coughs> is growing, even in areas not part of the European Union. Yeah, you hear that, Jeremy? You hear that? So anymore. you stop doing those things that you do. <laughs> okay? I've had enough so, of it. Like, the, the world has been hard before, but you have to watch yourself in the mirror and maybe change your story a little. I think that is will be the best way of doing things differently. But I think I think it depends on yeah, that's true. That's interesting to hear. Because I know like even some of the you know observations or comments that I've made in this podcast episode, you know, some of the things I talked about were like, how do you think Norway has been influenced by America? So like I get that there's you know a, a subconscious current that it's an undertow you know carrying us out to sea but you know i think also in terms of i'd be interested to see how programming is going to change in the 1920s because i'm hoping it does get more honest in terms of how we present ourselves um in terms of like working with allies and stuff that that's just like republicans are just that i think is a more republican issue that they have eyes domestically they don't care about other countries and then they tend to especially when they're in office you hear a lot more like we need to demand that the un does this you know we need to use our vote and you know whatever they're not viewing it as a partnership they're viewing it as an exercise of will whereas i do think that most federal de- democrats most i mean there's there's some old guard that i just i want to whatever uh but there, there's you know I think most of them tend to understand that soft power is a real thing and we need to rebuild the State Department. <laughs> like, <laughs> Let me yeah. explain with, with, with an example how, how this is. I, 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 I was working at the train station with uh, tourism, tourists and security for many years. And uh, one time I, I, I helped an American family with their luggage and, and they asked me like about the city. And the first thing a lot of Americans ask you is, have you ever been to the United States? Would you like to go there? <laughs> it's like if I was going to a party and like, how did you like my party last week? 
to be fair, if I went to America, get my point. Someone, I'd probably ask them if they've ever been to Norway. I might ask that. I, I never do because I think no. <laughs> I'm assuming they haven't. I'm, I'm assuming they haven't, but I've always liked to invite them. But it's a little bit about ego, and it's goes to the left and to the right. I, I think nationalism and so on is also a problem here too, and that's nationalism is always a drag. It's, it's always like being patriotic and loving your own country, but when you, it's like it's like when you're always defending your kids and say there's nothing wrong with them. It's like that sometimes, and that's how na- nationalism yeah. is. And, yeah, it can get problematic if you're like my country can do no wrong. I was I really had to come to talk about think... weed, and we're talking about all the. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try. I, I don't think I don't think this has a ton of things to do with weed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little family secret when I'm on. Okay, you tell. My, my my grandmother she she emigrated to the United States in the 30s. She That's lived in New York. Secret. Yeah, no. So she, so so during when the she was, yeah, she was her plan was to live there, but then something happened. The war. So. My grandfather was shot down and he was in the Pacific and he was saved by an American ship coming to New York and she fell in love with the patient. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's so my awesome. mother was born in the United States and when I was a, she had an American passport. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I even have a picture from her in the United States with the Royal family. <laughs> Because there were refugees there during the war. Yeah, that's interesting. So your mother's an American. Yeah, she. she, she I, I always have fun. I can. You, you can be. You could be the president of the United States because she was born yeah. there. <laughs> I had her, her birth certificate. Yeah, she was born in New York in 1944. Oh, she can cool. qualify. Yeah, there's so maybe. Here. Well, and and. I, I think it's America is one of those confusing things that never America was never one thing for a really long time, right? Like we were colonies and then we were more colonies involved in other political matters. Then there were, there was our independence and then reconstruction only lasted for 20 years or whatever. Then we had Jim Crow and like each era of America was volatile and changed rapidly and in our history is very shallow you know we joe like joe and i are talking because he asked me one time he goes hey uh have you ever lived in a really old house i was like yeah well i lived in this hunting cabin that's been around since you know before ohio was a state and he goes ah well my place is a thousand years old and he's got ghosts here or something that's not what i said (laughs) you racist i don't remember i don't remember the conversation but basically um the oldest house that I knew that I was in wouldn't even possibly <laughs> compare. And our country is a shallow place history-wise. It's not and shallow. It's young. Come on. Yeah. Young. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's young. Um, and you're going to call every child shallow now? That's cruel. <laughs> that, that is a super... <laughs> you shallow little shit. <laughs> you don't remember the summer of 2004. <laughs> You shallow piece of garbage. That's right. You know, screw all them yeah. kids. Uh, yeah. Defund the schools now. But 
like mm-hmm. I think that another problem, like the, the problem with that, and the problem with how volatile our, pro- our partners <coughs> is, is that our image is constantly changing, and our country changes is has always been volatile. Like the '60s were volatile, the '80s were volatile, now it's volatile, and we don't do ourselves any favors, and we're not known for anything other than being volatile, warmongering independence. Now. The thing is, though, you used for that before 9-11, America was not known for like, like it was not viewed badly by Europe. Yeah, that, that, that's why I think the, the two biggest hits to us in my lifetime have been the W <coughs> and Trump. Yeah, I think I think that that's those two things hurt America's fucking like reputation more than well, anything. Yeah, because the Vietnam War, like that, that, that you you guys didn't like it, uh, and Europe didn't like it, but it was forgotten about after the war a few years later. It's not like people never discuss the Vietnam War here, except for when you're in school. Yeah, the funny thing, what it does doesn't the debate about the about the Vietnam War was like the French started it in the fifties and they pulled out, and America was left with the bullshit, and they just keep on going. You know, I didn't even know that. No, I can see why the Americans would be mad, mad at the French. In my defense for the United States, the French have also been like a fucking bunch of shitholes when it comes to being assholes. Like in Algeria, in Morocco, and in Vietnam, in the Philippines, and so on, and so on, and so on. That's why Bush, when he started that anti-French movement, it worked. Because a yeah. lot of Americans on both sides was like, fucking, okay, the rest of Europe can criticize us, but the French... Shut the fuck up! You're hypocrites. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had have... all bond over a shared hatred of the French. France didn't win the like. France was one of the <laughs> nation of, in during the Second World War. Is bullshit. It was Russia, Britain, and and United States. Of course, with allies from a lot of other countries. Yeah, yeah. But the French, like we, we were the winning liberated powers. Fuck you! They were not. They were occupied in less than a month in 1940. That, that, was, that was real colonial thinking. You know, that was colonial era thinking that, that they just went with and because of the Alliance Network got away with. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I find that interesting because you're right. Like I remember uh, my uncle was in Vietnam. I, have, I, have, I had four uncles on my step and biological dad's sides that went to Vietnam. One was, most of them have something, none of them will discuss it, you know, like one one guy, one of my uncles was shot. Another one was the point guy. He came back to the States with some PTSD. He, he was the point guy in the Viet Cong tunnels where he was he would go in with a flashlight and a pistol. You know, he's the point guy. And he has nightmares about that. Like he, he told me he has nightmares and he never said anything else about it. <laughs> And he was pretty, pretty drunk when he told me. Um, and they, they have talked extensively about France. <laughs> there was a lot of anger about that. And some, some of like the old school hippies uh, also complain about it. And, and you're right, that's a shared hatred that I find interesting because Vietnam was such a big part of like an anti-government scene that happened in the United States. In fact, that that was what led some liberals to wind up supporting uh, 
you know, like Reagan and, 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 and some of the candidates later who were saying, oh, well, that, that loss of American life was bad. You didn't have to even have to have it on his platform. You just make a couple of sound bites and you can get a lot of people over because of it. Because the war was deeply unpopular by the time the 80s rolled around. And it was also the first uh, war you descend direct television from. So, yeah. 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 War seems a little more awful when it's not written by a fucking poet. And yeah. And then, and then, and then it is in color. <laughs> no yeah. offense, Jeremy. I did not. <laughs> well, I, what I was going to say in defense of poets is any poet worth their salt would be writing about the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's still, it's still never be a. Being uh, like a Viet, like a, a Vietnamese kid without skin because of the flames. Well, I think you're describing. I'm going to go out and, and say you're <coughs> describing uh, paid scribes, and they all have leprosy. So whatever. Huh? Paid scribes? <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're not real poets if they're getting paid to say good things about v- the Vietnam War. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, like yeah, uh, pictures uh, the, a thousand words. Suki says the only thing war does is making you hungry. <laughs> wow! People I are nervous around this man. That that poet and uh, and <coughs> and uh, yeah, Musuki, Japanese. Checking out. Well, talking about weed, ending on war. Well, that was fun. Yeah, peace and love. Was a great talk. <laughs> so this is a good place to round things off. Yeah. Do you guys feel like you want to say something more? Do you have any final words or any topic? Well, I'm thankful you having me on. Really, uh, it was it was great fun to be on other people's podcasts. And uh, if, you <laughs> listen you, to, if you listen to my podcast, Join Pod, uh, and you can also listen to my segment, Trump Tells the Truth, is on uh, the podcast, Another Digital Citizen. It's also Trump part tells American Religion Corporation. Yeah. That rhymes beautifully, but I gotta say, man, it does sound like it would be made by a, like a Republican character. <laughs> yeah, that's why Lord the man like. <laughs> hey, Tron tells the truth. Three guns. Hey, come here, guns, huh? And then we lure them in with a liberal message. <laughs> now let me tell you about chemtrails. Me... <laughs> oh, now we've moved to Florida, <laughs> where I'm yeah. still not. I've never. I've only been to Georgia. I haven't been as far south as Florida, but I'm not a thousand percent positive that you can't buy guns in a vending machine in Florida somewhere. Oh, <laughs> guns from a vending machine. Now that is well, a scary, scary world. That is like Texas borderlands too. Oh, we want to stop here because I'm going to talk about Texas new gun laws. But <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not start. Let's, oh, that's another. Oh, no, I love talking about gun laws. <laughs> okay, have you want to go? <laughs> okay, I didn't really get to ask Jeremy if he wanted to say something, but he doesn't get to. If he wants to, it'll be at the start of next episode. Sorry, Jeremy. Oh, how dare you. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Moot. Please follow us on Twitter at the Moot Podcast and visit us at the Moot subreddit. Uh, do you want to plug your podcast, Tron? Like, Yeah, please. I, yeah. I already did. I'm starting a new podcast very soon, really, um, called To Hell with Tron. <laughs> oh yeah okay we'll we'll be sure so you can to find that page one. on facebook you can find there you can find my segments called tron tells the truth but it's going to be a podcast to help with tron it's me in a devil costume just being a yeah a lovely your friendly neighborhood satan 
I, I he's a naughty boy. <laughs> you, you sold okay, me. that's it. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.